From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And welcome back. Or if this is your first time, welcome for the first time. This is the Cannabis Podcast, where we spend a few minutes every week or every episode covering a whole bunch of interesting cannabis news. In episode 19, our main focus is a feature interview with Stacy Kramer. Stacy is the owner of Black Moon Medicinal Cannabis and Holistic Collective, and she talks about how cannabis impacts so many areas of our lives and so many people's lives, and what she's doing about that. I also share some more happy news behind the Cannabis Podcast family. Plus, we're going to touch on a story that demonstrates the absurdity of existing cannabis understanding in relation to the law. Plus, we will also take a brief look at the BC retail landscape. It has changed ever so slightly, and there's still nothing here in the Okanagan. So that's what's coming up for you in episode 19 of the Cannabis Podcast. Now, I mentioned that I wanted to share some more happy news. Last week, we talked about the fact that Ian, my musicologist here on the podcast, got married to Christine. And in fact, as we head into recording this episode, when this episode drops, we're actually going to be celebrating their marriage in person, which is kind of nice. But the other happy news we have in relation to the family behind the Cannabis Podcast, I kind of sneaked this in last week or last episode, that there might also be another change regarding our daughter, which you haven't met. Our daughter is Sarah. She has been in Australia for many, many years. She just came back with a visit with her new Australian boyfriend. And guess what? The surprise hit us about day five of their visit when the boyfriend finally had a chance where Sarah was not around and he took us off to the side and told us his intentions and showed us the ring that he was going to give her that afternoon. What a stunning ring it was. So my daughter is now engaged. And she has a fabulous man that she has decided is the man for her, the love of her life. They are now engaged, no wedding in the future, but clearly another happy moment for those of us here at the Cannabis Podcast. So let's take that happiness and now look at a bizarre story. No, actually, let's touch on the retail landscape while we're still here. I popped up the list of retail licenses that have been distributed by the BC government. We've talked about it before. Since October 17th, guess what? They're now up to 21. They have released 21 licenses province-wide. And as I've been saying all along, there are just so few licenses in the Okanagan. In fact, none on the private retail landscape. And guess what? <laughs> Salmon Arm now has a second retail license. The Greenery Cannabis Boutique has now been licensed in Salmon Arm, as has Sticky Leaf in Creston, the original farm in Victoria, and another store in Vancouver. The Hobo Shop has now received their license. Don't know when they're exactly going to be opening. <laughs> but once more, there's been no entries in the Okanagan retail landscape. We know Starbuds has been posed to open up a store up here in Lake Country, but they're still not able to do that because they still have not received their retail license. The absurdity of what's happening in our cannabis world right now with retail licensing. Now let's touch on a bit more absurdity. And this was a story I came across this last week. It was in relation to a raid that took place in Ontario. No, I'm sorry, a raid that took place in Nova Scotia where they found some edibles in an illegal shop. We'll use that terminology. 
And initially, the statement that came out, and this was a story that was posted on CBC in Absurd. The story that I'm relating to now, I will post a link back on CanadasPodcast.com so you can read it yourself. And this is in relation to that CBC story where they quoted the RCMP as saying the edible they had confiscated was dosed high enough that it could kill a child. That's what the statement was. And we all understand the absurdity of that statement. No one has ever been documented to have died from an overdose of THC. This was, I think, about 500 milligrams they were talking about. Yes, it was. So let me give you the background on this. It was a news release that was published early Wednesday morning, and then it was reported by CBC News. Police said they raided an illicit weed dispensary in Timberley, Nova Scotia. They seized $60,000 in weed, including Lego-shaped edibles containing up to 500 milligrams of THC. Now, for comparison, Health Canada wants a single dose of legal edibles to be limited to 10 milligrams of THC. And the RCMP said that 500 milligram dose was potent enough to kill a child, a claim that was reported unchallenged by the CBC. Lego-shaped blocks of very high-potency THC in excess of 500 milligrams was offered for sale, and this could be a fatal dose for a child, the release said. No one has ever died of a cannabis overdose. Rebecca Haynes Saw, a public health policy expert and professor at the University of Calgary, told Vice that while cannabis has been implicated in rare case studies where a child has died, it has never directly been linked to causing a fatality, and other issues such as respiratory or cardiac conditions have been present. The 500-word RCMP release levies several allegations against the unregulated cannabis market, accusing those operating in it of evading taxes, lying to the public, and using dangerous processes used to make weed products in unsanitary conditions. The release said the rated shop, which was Timberleaf Alternative Medical Society, was misleading the public by using the word medical in its name. This particular illegal storefront made almost $1 million since January 1st and spent only $50,000 in expenses, all without paying any tax, the release says. And it goes on further. If you buy cannabis from illegal sellers, you are breaking the law. You are supporting organized crime and you are placing your health at risk, the release said, noting that people who live near dispensaries are at risk of fire, bombings, robberies, and many crimes that often go along with illegal cannabis sales. Now, after that story, the RCMP sent out a much shorter amended release that said the original release included references and opinions that are outside of the scope of Nova Scotia RCMP. We have taken measures to address the liberties that were taken in the release and apologize for the confusion it may have caused. In a follow-up phone call with Vice, Halifax RCMP spokeswoman Corporal Lisa Croteau said the police force is not backtracking our claim that edibles can kill kids. We're not saying it's true or not. We're just saying it's outside of our scope. Well, the news release is 200 words and is limited to details about the raid. It does not include any assertions about the black market at large. Once again, a perfect example of the stigma that is still being expressed and the understanding that so many people have, the misunderstanding that so many people still have about the dangers of cannabis. It's getting, I was going to say it's getting better, but I think it's actually getting a little bit worse. From the Cannabis Infused Studio in the Clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Anybody who has listened to the podcast before knows that one of the goals was to not only disperse various information about cannabis, but to have some great conversations about cannabis and cannabis-related items. 
and I'm really pleased to tell you today we are going to have just such a conversation. Today, I have a special guest with me. Stacy Kramer is here, and Stacy is the owner of Black Moon Medicinal Cannabis Therapy and Holistic Collective. Now, if the name of that doesn't get you interested in wanting to know more details, you clearly weren't listening. Stacy is on the line. She's going to tell us about her business, which is a Canadian cannabis wellness business specializing in medicinal cannabis consultation and therapy, as well as other unique holistic services. So rather than me giving you all those details, we'll pull them out of Stacy as the conversation proceeds. Stacy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Gary. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. It is so exciting for me to uh, be with you as well. Just as a bit of background, Stacy and I have known each other for about two months now, I guess. I know your history is a lot deeper than mine in the cannabis retail world and simply in the cannabis world. So can you give us a sense of, of where cannabis first came into your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like there was a couple different avenues the universe kind of allowed me to kind of experience with cannabis. Um, there were two kind of avenues, um, working within the industry and then also using cannabis medicinally myself. Um, I was using cannabis medicinally um, before I actually started to work in the industry. I, when I was, I think about 19, I kind of started um, smoking cannabis recreationally. And then when I was 21 years old, I found out that I had um, blood on my brain. So instead of my body having an aneurysm and essentially me, me dying, my body essentially had a seizure. And then I was able to have more tests done, um, CAT scans, CT scans, you name it. They concluded that there was hemorrhaging and, and bleeding on my brain. As a as a 21 year old, not not the best uh, kind of medical outcome. Really, no, not the diagnosis um, uh, <laughs> you were looking for. <laughs> not really, no, no. Um, so it was kind of kind of really. I mean, stressful is a not not the best word to use. It was so much more than that. Eventually, so that was about 2011, 2014. I ended up having brain surgery because of the hemorrhaging to to essentially let it to go for for it to dissipate and go away, which was a serious serious situation. Um, I wasn't supposed to have any seizures after that, but guess what? I did. I did have a seizure after my brain surgery, um, and at 24 years of age, I pretty much thought my life was over. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot to take in. I was a very very healthy child, teenager, young adult, playing so many different types of sports, dance, you name it, singing. Um, so this was quite a blow. Um, no I took it upon myself at that point to start using cannabis as a medicinal outlet. So at that point in time, luckily, I was uh, then working at a dispensary as um, a new bud tender. And um, I had the access to use uh, RSO or Rick Simpson oil a nice full spectrum extract oil. So I took it upon myself to use the Rick Simpson oil about three times a day, two to three times a day for the next 10 months of my life. And then went for my three-year checkup. And that was the day my life kind of changed. The, uh, the surgeon told me that there was absolutely no sign of hemorrhage. There was absolutely no sign of blood. And it seemed like a, a clean, healthy CAT scan with no signs of there ever being such a thing. Wow, that is amazing. It It's absolutely mind-blowing. And it's I, I can barely tell the story to people just because I... Some people are like, wow, that's great. But like some people actually don't understand like 
having to kind of take a step back from our Western medical healthcare environment and stepping back and being like, okay, can a plant help me? Not these pills that cost 600 to a thousand dollars a month, but let's back it up a bit here and see, see if this cannabis plant can do what, uh, studies are starting to say it can. Right. I mean, so I, yeah, it was, it was great. So, I mean, as much as I do a lot of education and empowerment and things like that, it's, there's, there's so many, um, underlying factors as to why I like to do that. So I, I don't only speak as anecdotal evidence, but it, it, it just helps me, uh, fuel my fire really in, in helping get the, the message out there that cannabis is such an important plant. Well, you can, you can hear the passion in your voice for the to- the topic. And now, now I have a much deeper understanding of, of why you have that passion, Stacey. Thank you for sharing that story. No worries. No worries. So, I mean, becoming, becoming a bud tender was just kind of, it was a great opportunity for me. It wasn't necessarily, um, it's not that I, I wanted to become a bud tender, but I was given the opportunity to. And and once I was given the opportunity, I I flourished in it. And it was easy for me to talk about it in a passionate way and really get people educated. So by working with other like-minded individuals, it's really driven me to to be where I am today. And not only working a retail side of the environment, but but also hoping that the empowerment and the education and and all of those things come with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So now I also have a better understanding of of where Black Moon, the Black Moon Creative, came from, the collective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, is the does the name have any special significance? So, um, well, Black Moon in general, um, a Black Moon as a kind of well, the cycles of the moon and and lots of different things. Um, feminism's huge with me. I love I love the moon in general. There's lots of correlation between moon cycles and women, moon cycles and just the way we function as human beings in general. I mean, we're we're made up of 80 percent water. Black moon specifically is when um, it's I mean, it's a very unique time. But the the blue, the black moon essentially represents new um, new things to come and essentially new opportunities and all the rest. A huge shift. So. OK, OK, excellent. So when did it come to yeah. you that? Not only the passion that you have for cannabis, the experience you personally have had, the anecdotal experience of how it changed your life. When did you realize that you wanted to now share this more with other people and and started this whole holistic collective? It was definitely at the beginning when I started to be a bud tender. Um, At that point in time, I wasn't, say, educated per se enough to, to really take the plunge and to create something of my own. So I've always wanted to do it. And I and there's a huge missing puzzle to the piece and i think when when working the retail side of it you can really see that so people are coming in they want all of the education they want the knowledge but they have no idea where to start and before legalization or pre-legalization some people working the the industry whether retail or not the intentions aren't necessarily correct or or there in the right form um whether whether money's uh, a thing or just a regular job, you know, to, to, to pay your bills. But I, I really saw a lack of knowledge and education within the general public coming in to get their med to use as medication or medicine, but, but really having no, nowhere to start. And these are even people who have went to their doctors to get those, that paperwork and, and the doctor's still not giving them any direction. So really taking, 
kind of advantage of the situation, but also noticing that there is a, a missing puzzle piece that really needs to be filled in. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and I'm really happy that you've stepped up to to fill in that hole. Because as you say, we <laughs> see that all the time with, with people who come in and have their questions and they just have no idea of where to start. And No, and they think they, they maybe use one or two terms because they yeah. think that they know that. And mm-hmm. then, but they, and then when... <laughs> Between coming into the dispensary and walking out of the dispensary, I feel some people feel like they've just jumped down a a black hole. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because there's so much information, so much knowledge. But if you don't understand the basics, it's very hard to understand anything more than that. It it is absolutely true. I I think sometimes we we make people's heads explode (laughs) as they leave the store with the amount of knowledge we've given them. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So so you brought up legalization. so, So let me touch on that for a bit. We are six months into legalization in Canada. Many people have (laughs) differing opinions of whether it has been successful or not. And I always come back to the one fact that it is at least legalized. We've got that. What's your opinion of of where we are today and and what's happened in the last six months? I think... Oh, man. It's a loaded question, Gary. Give it to me. I know it is. I feel like... As a nation, we are taking a step in the right direction. So there's that. I think the government did it a little ass backwards in thinking that they needed to roll this out at a specific date, at a specific time, but didn't necessarily do the background noise research and steps needing to really roll it out properly. A lot of the provinces were not ready for this. Realistically, I, nobody was on the same page. I, I was working at a dispensary in Vernon prior to legalization, and we were working closely with the city. The city wanted us there. We had the mayor, the the, um, the head of fire, police chief, everybody walked through our dispensary saying that it was great. And there was going to be this nice transition where we would pay a couple um, pieces of paper, fines, things like that, get our uh, our form needed and then it was going to be kind of opening day and then two weeks before legalization that all kind of changed and the city had no idea what was even going on and uh the provincial kind of overran the municipal and it was kind of a shit show from there if we look across the nation i mean it's everywhere i'm pretty disappointed in bc knowing that i mean we're pretty much in the driver's seat in, in, in regards to cannabis and the cannabis industry, but the way that it's rolled out, we're really taking the back seat. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to see certain certain provinces have better laws or they're at least making better steps to allow um, better access. You know what I mean? It, it blows my mind that we went from such a um, empowered province. I mean, mm-hmm. at the there was, forefront. What, 20, oh, yeah, like 20, 20 dispensaries or 22 dispensaries in, in Vernon, BC, which is what population 40,000. <laughs> I heard a crazy statistic um, a few months back that Vernon, BC had the most dispensaries per capita in North America at yeah. one point. I would believe that with those numbers. And, and, yeah. and yeah. I mean, we, we, had, we had such a head start. It, 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 to your point, it's absolutely embarrassing to be from BC and, and oh, see yeah. that we are the worst equipped province for, for access to cannabis. It's, it's insane. <laughs> It's mind blowing. You just don't understand almost how how it happened, really. Like, and it it just sucks because we we've had the opportunity to be a 
again, at the forefront with whether it's education, whether it's great medicine, whether anything. And I feel like everybody is just taken a backseat to it all, really, because they don't they don't want to step on people's toes. They're afraid that there's going to be crazy fines like and I mean, from from a government standpoint or at a government level, there is no good direction. I mean, there's it's nobody. It's like the blind leading the blind, really, in that sense. <laughs> That's a good description of it. Yeah. As yeah. The, I mean, I, I, I heard this week the the stores that are open in Ontario, but but are actually who have their licenses, they won in that lottery, but they haven't opened. They just got their first $12,500 fines. <laughs> yep, I did hear about that. I heard that there was a, num- a number of dispensaries in Ontario who got fined already for not opening when they were supposed to. Absolutely insane. So let, no. let, let's look uh, on, on a little brighter side of still on the legalization <laughs> piece. You went to yep. your, uh, your first 420 in Vancouver this year, right? I did. I was so excited to go. I, I, I really wanted to go last year because it was, you know, the last one before legalization. But this one was interesting in the sense that you had people coming into the woodwork that would have never came to the to the kind of event I if bet. it wasn't legal. So the sheer number of people I was absolutely blown away by. It was shoulder to shoulder. You couldn't walk anywhere, really. After after like two thirty, three o'clock, it was it was absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> it looked like that on the footage I saw. Well, I think the official yeah. estimate said said sixty thousand, and the the organizers of four twenty said a hundred hundred thousand people. Oh, I believe it. I believe it for sure. The one thing that did really throw me for a loop, though, I mean, I love hearing people's opinion. I love that grassroots kind of take a stand on things. So I I loved the environment, but it was very interesting to hear people take the stage and give their opinion in this moment. So yes, it is legal, but are we still fighting a fight? Is there still a, you know what I mean? Prohibition, is that still a thing? Is this prohibition 2.0? You heard a lot of different opposite end of the spectrum conversation pieces. And it really intrigued me because you heard somebody on the stage being like, we've already fought the fought. This is, there's no, there's no fight anymore. We don't have to, you know what I mean? And then you have people who are running booths being like, that's bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. we are. Yeah, absolutely. It's prohibition still. So it's a weird time to be alive. It really is. It, it is. And and again, I come back to, okay, yes, it has been legalized, but just the yeah. mere fact that there's now more, more ways for you to get busted and bigger fines than there were before legalization just is absolutely insane. Just the simple one of, you know, how you're transporting in your car with all the people who've oh, been 100%. busted for that. Yep. Just yeah, insane. And even, and even, oh, it's, it's crazy. And I mean, there, there's there's a number of issues with it. The the type of laws that they're they're creating are absurd. The idea that you're going to make it legal and have absolutely no access is absurd. <laughs> I, I saw something earlier today that I mean it's been talked about, but to to talk about it again is that they want to start taxing Canadians based off of the high higher amount of THC, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. You think about all of the people who are using it medicinally or people who have cancer or people that just have a, a sheer high tolerance but still need that medicine. It's why why should they be the ones to kind of suffer in all of that just because of a high THC product? Like, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's going to get crazy before it gets better, but hopefully in the end it will be better. <laughs> and I, I agree with the protest aspect of, of 420. There is still so much that has to be fixed. Um, we can oh, talk about, about the pardons. 
as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay, so they come forth and they said we're going to give pardons, but in all honesty or in all reality, it should never have been a law in the first place. So why don't they no. just expunge them completely? Literally take them off, just take them away. Yeah. And why, why, why force people to have to go through that extra process, extra paperwork, extra money? People yeah. don't realize how much pardon costs. Yeah, it, um, it costs. <laughs> yeah, Trust me, it's not some, a friend of mine told me once that it costs. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's 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 crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So there is there's a lot of work to do, and I think um, we're still fighting the good fight for sure. I mean, it is great that it is legalized. It is. I mean, it absolutely is. Yeah, but it is. There, it's a great starting spot. But yeah, there's there's lots of work to do. So much. Hands down. And a lot of that comes from education, empowerment, and and allowing people to make these education educational decisions to have a better health and wellness and, mm-hmm. a, and a greater life. Like educate these people to make better decisions on their own health. Absolutely, and that was a absolutely marvelous transition <laughs> because I wanted to come back. <laughs> to, I wanted to come back to to Black Moon and 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 what you're doing with that and talk about some of your services and and how that has impacted people for you like some of the things i saw when i took a look at your facebook page so you do medical cannabis consultation right yes so um i do i do different consultations i do it for uh clients and then i also do it for clinicians okay so if there are natural paths doctors um any type of person in the healthcare system wanting to get a little bit more information about cannabis how they could potentially implement it and use it within their own services, things like that. Something as simple as a massage therapist wanting an option for their clients to have a CBD massage, something like Ah. that, or empowered doctors that really want to be able to allow their kind of patients to make those decisions, but want wanting more education behind it. Yeah. All of those good things. I mean, the more doctors that are wanting to care and wanting to learn more about it, that's going to be a huge thing because at this moment, there is no I, I hate to say this, but there's no incentive for doctors to care about cannabis the way that they care about pharmaceuticals because there there is no kickback kickback at the moment. And it's disgusting that we work on in a healthcare or a society that 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 essentially um, needs that to happen. But we need to create an environment where doctors are going to want to care, essentially. Absolutely, and it has to happen. And we see there's more of them kind of getting that understanding of that knowledge that I guess finally makes them make that switch. It's, it's yeah, nice absolutely. Definitely see. more and more. It would be nicer to have that similar across the board, province to po- province, nation to nation. Like with, with this here, like say Canada alone in BC, natural paths can write you prescriptions or at least cannabis related prescriptions. But in Ontario, it has to be a doctor or a nurse practitioner. The natural paths can't write it there. It's, it would be nice to have a little bit of consistency across the provinces for people who are really wanting to seek that out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you say, we're so far from that standard across the country yet right now. Yeah. The other yeah. service I was curious about was your client cannabis advocacy. What exactly is involved with that? Okay. So I've always been, I want to say just an advocate for people in general, when I was when I was a crisis counselor when, um, back in Ontario, that was a part of my working in um, an abused women's shelter. A part of that was to be an advocate for for that woman. So just having a voice, supporting them at different times, whether that's like court cases, this that, 
taking essentially that type of advocacy. So people who lack confidence, maybe lack a voice, who are wanting to talk to different healthcare providers or professionals about cannabis, but don't have anywhere to start. So whether that is signing kind of like a confidentiality agreement and having a three-way team between client, doctor, and cannabis therapist or cannabis consultant so that there can be an open dialogue about the client's health and how that can be approached. That's a great idea. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it, there's lots of different things. So, I mean, if if the client is wanting even just access to to, to a doctor, um, it's, it's helping them finding a doctor that will help them prescribe cannabis. There's lots of people who have doctors, family doctors out there whose doctors actually don't even support the idea. It's true. So it's advocating the client in any way that they need and essentially trying my best to, to, to fill the holes or the voids where they are. Oh, oh, that's an excellent service. I'm, I'm glad I asked that. I, <laughs> I feel much more aware now. Has there been an experience awesome. you've had so far, Stacey, with, with anybody that you've worked with that, without mentioning names or, or too much personal detail, has been like a, a favorite result for you where, where you really saw what you were hoping to see through the experience? Yeah, actually, probably my one of my last clients that I've recently worked with. This was a, a woman in her mid-30s who had been um, diagnosed with lupus. And this woman had tried pretty much everything under the sun in terms of pharmaceutical medication, different outlets of like just be, like body movement, things like that. But nothing was really kind of sticking. And then I actually connected with this woman through the dispensary, which was random. I never, I never pushed my services or anything onto people there, but if they're wanting more information and we're not able to kind of get to it, sometimes I'll slip them my card or I'm just like, Hey, find me on Facebook. And then maybe we can, we can talk more or talk further. Um, so it was kind of a case of that. I was able to kind of sit down with her. And when I do have one-on-one -on -one sessions with uh, my clients, I'll offer them packages or programs so we can have an ongoing support system. So whether that's a 12 week or six month, this woman did a 12 week program with me. And um, we, we, we looked at multiple different things that, that essentially affects like their, well, cannabis, but their health in general. Yeah, of course. So a lot of it was mood, sleep, food intake and diet. And then with her specifically, it was it was chronic pain and, and lupus symptoms. So taking kind of an holistic per approach in terms of what she was eating, how she was medicating with cannabis. So having her on an array of different products like CBD tinctures, um, using topicals for her inflammation where her weight bearing joints are, a Rick Simpson oil for the evening time for sleep, um, a combination of multiple different cannabis products helped this woman to the point where she was able to legitimately start living her life again. So this woman had stopped her job. She was essentially a hermit in her house. She couldn't walk further than a block or two with being, without being in excruciating pain. And um, for this woman to be able to walk, talk, go out and bike and, and not be in, in excruciating pain gave me the most I don't know. It was the warm fuzzies everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I, I was I was so happy. I it's one thing to to educate people and to and to teach people, but when people can take those tools and really work work with themselves, it's it's really great to see. So 
Yeah, well, absolutely. She when did, you see yeah. the when you see the ideas you put forth and 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 the help that you've given and and that person work with that and it comes to such a fabulous fruition that that must have felt fabulous. It's it's absolutely amazing, and it's it's one thing for people to be like, okay, cannabis can save my life, but because the endocannabinoid system works in conjunction with all of our systems, people need to understand that it's it's all connected. So if if you're using all of your cannabis products, but you're you're not caring about say the food that you're putting into your system, then I mean it's it's not going to work the way it should work. So um, it's it's really amazing when people when you see people putting the little the connections and having these aha moments together and then really taking off on their own kind of wellness journey. It's, it's pretty amazing. Oh, that is fabulous. So where do you see this going in the future for you? What do you think the next steps in relation to the uh, holistic collective are? I, I truly believe this is just the beginning. There are so many people to connect with and touch base with and learn from and, and, and learn with. And I just, I don't know. There's, it's just kind of like my little seedling at the moment. You know what I mean? I, I really want to continue to educate and empower people, specifically women. I know that there's a huge stigma to kind of break down there. Women, women's health is very important. That often takes a backseat because women are always busy and never making themselves a priority. So, so really empowering the women, I think is going to be huge. If we take into account that women, I mean, if, in any type of household, women oftentimes make the most decisions regarding health, wellness, food in the household. So if they become informed about cannabis choices and things like that, then they're going to be able to to essentially create more of their own health and wellness within the within themselves and their families. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's it's really breaking down breaking down the stigma. Um, there's a huge stigma. In, in regards to just women using cannabis, empowering doctors to normalize cannabis, all of these things. So, and I mean, not to, not to forget about the environmental positive impact it can, it can have too. I mean, there's, I could go on all day, really. I know you could. <laughs> there's, so many, <laughs> there's so many points that are great. Um, but yeah, essentially women's health, environmental shifts and impacts and really breaking the stigma. That's, that's essentially what I want to kind of focus on. And, and education is key. Education at the end of at the end of the day is going to be the biggest thing. And I totally agree with you. Well, I knew this was going to be a great conversation, Stacy, and and it truly has been. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to finish you for up. Having me. Oh, it's been it's been a real pleasure. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm going to finish up with my typical hot tea questions. And so all right. far all of my guests, I think I might have missed it one time, but but I try to make sure that every guest has the same opportunity. Your favorite strain? Okay. Ooh, oh man. Probably um ooh. <laughs> I have so many. Right now I I'm loving I'm loving Nukin. Nukin's okay. my go to right now. Okay, that's your go to now. Joints or vape? Yeah. Ooh. And by vape I mean Probably vaporizer joint. rather than uh, thank you, than thank the vape you. pens. So um inside I wanna be like choose the vape because it's healthier but no i like smoking joints for sure <laughs> i got the impression you were a joint girl <laughs> yeah your favorite munchie Ooh, um i like anything usually salty so like i like kettle chips okay salt yep kettle chips for yeah. sure those good okay cake or yeah. pie Ooh, cheesecake specifically 
Oh, nice. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm going to have to make a cheesecake. Uh, edibles no, or flour? Uh, flour. I don't know why. I have a disgusting tolerance for edibles. So, I mean, at the end of the day, money-wise, it's really not worth it. And I, I really enjoy smoking flour. And I do too. And I, I find the unpredictability of edibles just, I, I can't work my mind through that. No. Okay. No. And then now you, so you are from Ontario, right? I am. So can you tell me why Ontarians call it a, a 3.5 grams, a half a quarter? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you why, but I'll tell you, I've been out here for five and a half years and it took me about three and a half years to change my lingo. <laughs> I, I always half quarter. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just working in the industry, you, you learn to have to change your language a little bit, but yeah. It, it always warms my heart when I get those guys coming through to the dispensary asking for a half quarter. <laughs> there, there, I, there was one yesterday who, who really warmed my heart because he asked, could I get two half quarters? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> wouldn't it be just shorter to say a quarter? <laughs> yep, literally it would. And, yeah. and sometimes you don't even know what you're saying, but I'm like half quarter. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's literally an eighth. All right. Um, yeah, we no, all have we all have a, language habits, so. Yeah, just a weird East East Coast thing, I guess. Yeah, and I realize from the people that have come in, it, it's really Toronto and East. Um, yeah, it's yeah. very much an Ontario weird thing, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to to be with me, Stacey. I really appreciate it. I'm sure everybody listening is going to find some fabulous information from you. And No problem, uh, Any Gary. last thoughts from you? Just that we need to really take the time to empower ourselves to make those great decisions about our own health. And I mean, there's no harm in asking for support. There's no harm in asking questions. And that's going to be the, the, the best way to do it. There are people out there that are going to want to help you um, make the best kind of better health decisions that, that are going to be better for your body. And um, I'm just really excited to be a part of the fight. And um, I just want to continue to give the people tools, information, education, and access to help empower them to make their own wellness journey. And I'm, I'm just excited to be a part of it. I am offering a couple true wellness conversations. They're 30 minutes each. And it's essentially just to go over people's health and wellness goals and how essentially cannabis can help towards that. So if any of your listeners are wanting any type of true wellness sessions, they're th uh, 30 minutes free. And um, yeah, just really trying to help as many people as I can. Excellent. And do and you have a link that I can... Uh post on the website that people can go to find that information? Yeah, absolutely. So a um, couple different ways. You can go to um, my website, www.blackmoonmedicinal.com, um, or you can follow us on Instagram at blackmoonmedicinal.com. Uh, it will be at blackmoonmedicinal.com, but at blackmoonmedicinal for Instagram as well. Okay, excellent. And I will post that link uh, to Stacy's website back on the uh, cannabispodcast.com, so you can always find it there. And thank you so much for your time, Stacey. You enjoy awesome. the rest of your day. Thank you. You too, Gary. It was a blast. Okay, take care. For the next episode, we are going to dig up another cultivar so we can revisit Cultivar Corner for a little taste sensation. And, of course, we will keep our eye on the ever-changing retail landscape and that magical day when they finally release a retail license for the Okanagan. The bells will go off and people will start singing. <laughs> we shall see. But that, my friends, brings us to the conclusion of episode 19 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, 
This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.